we, this morning, we will continue with our series on Abraham, friend of God. Uh, we started the series last week on Genesis 12, and today we're going to work on uh, Genesis chapter 13. So if you have your Bible, turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 13. If you don't have your Bible, if you have your phone, uh, open up your mobile app. If you don't have a mobile app, a Bible app, I would encourage you guys to download because it's always good to have throughout the week. Uh, I, I do have to admit that I actually use my Bible, mobile app a lot more frequently than my actual Bible, as much as I love to have a physical Bible, because when you are constantly on the run, uh, it's nice to be able to pull that out and uh, open up an app with many different translations on your phone. So, um, okay, let's get started. As a reminder for all of us, Genesis, as most of the New Testament uh, books, Genesis was written in a storytelling format. So as you read through Genesis, at least for me, it seems more interesting, right? More fun, more exciting because it's an actual story that's easier to follow. But it is still scripture. And just, I just want to remind each and every one of us that it is script, still scripture and it is still a word from God and it is a word of God. So uh, don't read it like you read with any other story. Just uh, hopefully later in the week, Come back to Genesis 13 again, read it slowly, read it carefully, because each and every word in Genesis is just as important as when we read Galatians or Ephesians or Romans and what have you. So uh, just a reminder for all of us and also a reminder for myself when I'm uh, going through Gen Genesis also. Uh, a quick recap from Genesis 12. We, um, uh, the reason I want to do a quick recap because Genesis 13 does have some tied in with Genesis 12. So uh, for those of you who may know, Genesis 12 started with God calling Abraham to go from his country, go from his uh, uh, father's land and go from his, um, from his land and his people. And uh, Abraham actively obeyed. Abraham immediately gathered his possessions, his family, and left. Uh, that's, 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 that was the key word for last Sunday. Uh, he didn't ask for assurance in terms of, hey, you know, can, I, can you double my possessions? Can you give me a little bit more time? Can, you, can I go next year? He just went. And that was, uh, that was a momentous step of faith for Abraham in terms of leaving everything that he has, everything that he's known, everything that he grew up in, to go somewhere where God is calling him to go. Uh, so that was a big step for Abraham. Uh, another thing was um, Abraham, uh, God called Abraham to go, and it's something for us to, to remember and, and uh, keep in mind is God is always calling us to go somewhere because God does not want, is not a God of the standstill. He's always calling people to advance, to take ground. So the word go, we, we, we saw that in uh, Genesis 12, but we also see that when Jesus gave us the Great Commission, right? Therefore, go and make disciples. So keep that in mind. That's the God that we worship. It's, it's not a standstill God, but a God who's always wanted to move forward and taking ground, uh, advancing. Um, another point that we talked about last week was uh, God just picked Abraham out of the blue, so to speak. And the thing was, God was calling out Abraham's faithfulness by calling him to go. So Abraham didn't automatically was the father of the faithful. He had to walk into that. And he grew into becoming the friend of God by being obedient to God. So as he takes one step, he's, became, he's walking more and more into the person that God has created for him to be. And as an encouragement and a reminder for us also is 
to be obedient to what God has called us to do, active obedience, so we can grow into the person, grow into the gifting that God has placed within us, because he's calling us that gifting, calling those things out slowly from, uh, from us. So, so Abraham's first step, was, which was a momentous step of faith, was the first step of him becoming the friend of God, right? We talked about the only uh, Old Testament character who was called by God to be my friend in Isaiah 40, uh, 48, and the father of the faithful in Romans 4. So anyway, um, remember to take ground. So the rest of Genesis 12, Abraham was on his way to the Negev. He took a detour to Egypt due to the famine in Canaan. We talked last week about how instead of trusting in God regarding where to go or inquiring of God on what to do, he decided to get away from famine and went, and went down to Egypt. Uh, so went down to Egypt for a little bit. He eventually left Egypt with more wealth than when he entered Egypt. However, we touch on how this simple decision, um, in a way, a very practical decision. It makes sense, right? There's a famine going on, so you go somewhere where there's wealth. Uh, would have tremendous implication down on the road, roughly 12 years, I think, down the road, as we can see in Genesis 16, verse 1, which we will get to because one of the Egyptian servants that came up with Abraham was Hagar. And we'll talk about Hagar more down the road. So Genesis 12 ended with Abraham getting back on track after he took a misstep by going to Egypt. And he was on his way back to the Negev. He was on his way to the Negev. In, um, we, we read that in Genesis 12, verse 8. So then after Egypt, he got back on track. So that will take us to Genesis 13, verse 1, right? So he, he came up from Egypt to get back to Negev. So he's getting back on track. Uh, in, some case, in case you haven't had a chance to read through Genesis 13, we will do a quick run-through, uh, a cliff note version for you guys on this chapter. But I want to encourage you to go back and read it again because there's so many things in here that, uh, that will speak to us as a church corporately and that will speak to each and every one of us individually. And uh, let's do a quick run-through on this chapter before we take a deeper dive. This chapter starts out with Abraham got back on his journey, as I said. So he went uh, back to the place called Bethel. That's where he was before. And uh, called upon the name of the Lord. And uh, as you can see, he probably realized, oh, I probably shouldn't have gone down to Egypt, but now I'm back. I want to call up, went back to where I was and worship God. And anytime you see in the Old Testament where called, if someone called upon the name of the Lord, that means they were worshiping God. They were praising God and praying to God and seeking to hear from God. So that's just so you can see that, we saw that in Genesis 12, 8, and he went back again in Genesis 13, verse 4. He did the same thing. Uh, so then um, Genesis 13 went on to say that both Abraham and Lot became wealthy. Uh, we'll come back to this in a couple minutes, but Lot actually had nothing before. But now, suddenly, Lot has flocks and herds. What, what was it? Any tents? Anyway, um, Lot suddenly became wealthy. Uh, and then we talked about... Uh, Genesis 13 went on to talk about Abraham talking with Lot about parting ways to avoid conflicts because they both had become very wealthy and there were a lot of people. Uh, their husbands were arguing with each other and their livestock were getting in the way, um, being in the same plot, plot of land. And uh, we know that Abraham allowed Lot to pick first. And then at the end, in Genesis 13, God reaffirmed his blessing over Abraham and more. Right? We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but he was talking about go, look as far as you can see to the north, the south, the east, the west, you know, all the land that you can see 
will belong to you and your offspring forever. And that's something that we'll touch on in a little bit. And your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. So, so God was speaking more specifics versus what he had called Abraham in Genesis 12. I'll make you into a great nation, a great name. People will be blessed by you. But now God is speaking more and more because of Abraham's obedience and trusting in God. So as always, um, I feel like I'm talking really fast. Am I talking too fast? Okay. There's so many things I want to share. There's so many things I want to say. Uh, as always, there's, um, there's a lot of things in this chapter, but I want to focus on the situation between Abraham and Lot. So there were, uh, uh, as you're reading through this, if you're like me, there were a few questions that would come up for me. For example, was how did, how did Lot become so wealthy? Right? Because if we go back and read in, at the end of Genesis 11 and Genesis 12, Lot's father, which was Abraham's brother, Lot's father died early. And Lot didn't have any inheritance because Abraham's father took Lot in, right? And then the responsibility of taking care of Lot passed down to Abraham. So Abraham took Lot in on the journey that God had called Abraham to go. And what we can see from Scripture is he didn't have a lot. Uh, Lot didn't have a lot. Lot didn't have a lot. Did that? Lot, there you go. He didn't have much. There you go. Lot didn't have much. So Abraham continued on the responsibility as a caretaker for Lot after his father died. And when um, God called Abraham to go from, to leave Haran, Abraham gathered his possession, his wife, and Lot. Right? But before that, we saw that and Lot went with him. So Lot went willingly because he knew there was really nothing for him to stay there uh, in Haran. And uh, Lot's wealth began to grow just by being around Abraham. Um, you know, we... we the scripture didn't say that, but we can see that the, the, what God has was spoken over Abraham is all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And Lot was being blessed by being around Abraham. And it's, uh, it's the same thing as, um, it's the same thing as uh, what, what, what I see a lot in Matthew chapter 10, verse 41. You guys may remember this. It said, whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. So that's how Lot became wealthy because he was hanging out with Abraham. He was being around Abraham. He was following Abraham. And that's how he became wealthy. And, uh, and, and because he was blessed through Abraham. And I want to take a, a quick sidestep to, um, to say this. And this is the reason why for us as a church, when we invite people in, and we say it's the Ephesians 4 weekend it's because it's from the Ephesians chapter 4. We invite people with recognized gifting from, uh, from the Ephesians chapter 4 in terms of uh, apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, teachers, and pastors. So if we welcome someone in, for example, that has an evangelistic gifting, and as they teach and impart their gift upon us as a church, we will grow as a church individually and corporately so then we can... Um, in the similar to the case of Lot, we will receive that gifting as we welcome them in and accept them as someone who's evangelist. And then we will have some of that gifting and, and for it, us individually and for us as corporately, we will all grow and mature and just as Ephesians 4 said, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. And that's why it's important. I just want to take a sidestep to, to mention why it's important for us to invite these people with the, uh, these these gifting that Jesus has given to us as a church. Um, okay, that was a quick, quick plug, if, if, if that was the term. 
So anyway, so we can gain this gifting uh, just as how Lot was blessed by being around Abraham. Right? So Abraham was blessed by God, and he would be a blessing to others. And one of those people was Lot. So that's how Lot became wealthy. Now, uh, so as they became both wealthy, they, we talked about how Lot's husband and Abraham's husband were arguing because this is my land, this is your land, this is my you know, livestock, this is your livestock and such. So then Abraham, um, the next question is how did Abraham handle the conflict? Right? You guys still with me? Did I lose anyone yet? No? Not yet? Okay. I'm about to lose someone. Okay, so let's step back. Uh, so how did Abraham handle the conflict between Lot and Abraham? Uh, let's take a, a look at Genesis 12. So using the example of Genesis 12 we talked about last week, how Abraham, when he went down to Egypt, because there was a famine in Canaan, he didn't inquire of God, right? He didn't ask God, what should we do? Should I stay? Should I trust in your word that you're going to bless me and, and I will be a blessing to others? And those who harm me, Will, will, you will harm them. Those who curse me, I will, you will curse them. So he didn't really inquire of God. So he just, go back to Genesis 12. So he just went down to Egypt. And trying to use an illustration to help us fully understand in today's term, if there's a recession in Chicago, right? If there's a recession in Chicago and you got a job offer in Texas, I think most people would take up that offer. So it's understandable and it's acceptable and it's reasonable to understand what, what, um, what Abraham was doing because I think that's, that's an uh, a illustration that's similar to what Abraham did when he went down to Egypt. But now let's go back to Genesis um, 13. Abraham was about to face another challenge, an obstacle, so to speak. So the first one was in Genesis 12. There was a famine, right? So he took matters into his own hands. He, he, uh, I, we talked about he didn't really inquire of God or trust in God, so he went down to Egypt. And it's important to note that God was still with Abraham. Okay? I think I said that last week, and I want to say that again. So now the next challenge, the second challenge, is the opposite of the first one. It has to do with wealth, because both of them are wealthy. Both of them have a lot of people, uh, a large flock. Whether it is famine or wealth, each has its own challenges. But we saw how Abraham, Abraham handled the situation in time of famine in Genesis 12. Now let's look at Abraham, how he handles the situation, the situation in time of wealth. So this time around, you can see that Abraham handled the situation a little bit differently. Right? He handled the situation with the heart of God in mind. He was more in line with God's heart. Because we know that our God is a relational God. The heart matters. And that how Abraham addressed the situation between him and Lot because he prioritized relationship over being rational, right? Because the last time in Genesis 12, um, he rationalized that I need to go somewhere else because there's a famine. And as he went down, he's, he's rationalized that let's use Sarah as my sister so people wouldn't kill me. So there was no relationship aspect in it, whereas this time, the way that Abraham handled it was he was talking about relationship. Because if we look at verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your husband and mine, for we are close relatives. That's how Abraham started out with. Just to remind Lot again of who we are together. We're close relatives. We've been together for a long time. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. 
because I love you, because there's a relationship between the two of us. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. I'm not going to fight over this. Abraham was able to let Lot choose because of Abraham's revelation and who God was or who God is, which helped Abraham to have even more trust in God because the things that God said, I will bless you. You will be a blessing. Those who bless you, I will bless them. Those who curse you, I will curse them. So Abraham, this time around, trusted in God's promise. Trust that God is provider. It's not about the land. It's not about where I'm going to go. It's not about what I can see is better for me. He trusted in God's promise. Abraham didn't let Lot choose first because he trusted in Lot. That's a very important point to point out. Abraham allowed Lot to choose because he trusted in God. It's a major, major distinction. We need to remember that. Abraham wasn't a pushover. He wasn't saying, hey, Lot, you do whatever, and I'll just take the leftover. No. He let Lot chose because he trusted in God. He trusted in what God has spoken over him, and he trusted in what God, where God was taking him, and God is, will provide for him. So, that was a gener- so as we read through this, we can see that because God was being so generous to Abraham, it came through in Abraham's action, and it came through in Abraham's decision-making. And, and what he was saying in his word and his action. So instead of taking matters into his own hands, like last time, right? Just decided to go down to Egypt because things were better there. When things got tough, he decided to, to go somewhere else. He stood still this time. And he trusted that, God, you said you're going to bless me, that you will provide for me. So he's sticking with it. And his, his decision was a reflection of the understanding of God's generosity over his, generosity over his own life. So he trusted that God would provide and bless him generously as he said he would. Because as, as I was reading through this, I was thinking in my mind, Abraham actually had every right to say to Lot, everything you have is because of me, right? You've been riding my coattail for who knows how long. You know, I took you in. I took you with me when you were little, and you had nothing. Your people, your husband, should be thankful and grateful for my people, my husband. I'm taking my possession and half of your possessions, and I'm going to choose where I'm going to go. Is that too mean? In terms of being rational, right? Quote, unquote, in terms of being fair, that seemed fair to me because everything that Lot had was because of Abraham. So, because if we analyze the history between these two, one could say that's fair. However, Abraham didn't say that. He had every right to say that, and he was in the right to say that, but he didn't. He had an open-handed attitude because he trusted in God's word and God's promises. So that's why he was able to be very generous in his action, knowing that God would provide for him. So that was Abraham's response, and, and we talked about where that response came from. And also partly because of his experience from going down to Egypt when he shouldn't have, instead of trusting in God and sticking with the word that he has for us. Now, let's look at Lot's decision and the response to Abraham's offer. So Lot looked around and chose for himself the land that was well watered in verse 10. Now, let's remember again. Lot had nothing initially, or very little, at least very little. But he became a wealthy man in Genesis 13. Remember that Lot went with Abraham when he went to Egypt, right? When he left his hometown. Because in verse 4, 
in Genesis 12, and Lot went with him. So Lot wasn't forced to go, but he had to go because he had nothing there. And he couldn't stay, right? So Abraham left his land, Lot went with him. Abraham went down to Egypt, Lot went with him. Abraham came up from Egypt, Lot went with him. Now, Lot became a man with flocks and herds and tents. We see that in verse 5. So as most of the time, back then and now, wealth changes people. Or maybe should I say, wealth changes the heart of people. That's probably a more accurate statement. So instead of telling his people, his husband, uh, obviously he's in control, right? He's in charge. Instead of telling his people to, hey, stop arguing and fighting with Abraham's people, get in line. Stop doing that because I'm indebted to Abraham. He decided to take his gains and cut loose. That sounds kind of bad, isn't it? It was, I think it is bad. So not only that, not only that, he chose for himself the better patch of land, right? In verse 5, we said the land, he, cho- he looked around, and he chose the land that was well watered. Um, I think you guys know this. It's a big deal, right? Because back in those days, when the land was well watered, that means his flocks would grow, that he can grow crops, and he, which in turn will increase your wealth even more. I want to make an emphasis about wealth because um, talk a little bit about more wealth because I actually don't, haven't seen I shouldn't say I don't see. I haven't found any, I have, have not seen anything bad in scriptures about wealth itself. There's nothing wrong with wealth or, or being wealthy. Wealth is just, just as land or money. It's just a material thing. It's the heart that matters to God. It's the heart that's mat- that matters. Right? When our hearts shift, shift away from God because of wealth, that's when it becomes a problem. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 said this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You may have heard this verse a lot, but I think the emphasis needs to be on for the love of money, not money itself. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So therefore, Lot didn't become this person because he had accumulated wealth. Wealth didn't cause him to be like this, but it was because of his love for wealth that led to his downfall, and as we can see later on in, uh, down in Genesis, because Lot placed a priority of his wealth over his relationship with Abraham. As we can see, it was the opposite of Abraham's response, right? Abraham placed relationship first, and he trusted in what God has spoken over him. He said, hey, Lot, we're close relatives. There's a strong relationship there. Not just relative. We're close relatives. You choose. Even though I am in the right, I'm older, I have more wealth, but you choose. What Lot, obviously he was opposite of Abraham. And um, Genesis 13 ended with, after Abraham made that decision and he decided to prioritize relationship and trust it in God, that's when, a- that's when God reaffirm his blessing over Abraham and even more, right? Through Abraham's generosity, through Abraham's life, he was living generously for God. God reaffirmed his blessing over Abraham and more as we read through this in uh, Genesis 14 and 17. Genesis chapter 13 from verse 14 to 17. God said to Abraham, 
Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Not just for a few generations, forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that no one, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. See, there's more specifics here. Right? Initially, it was, I will make your name great. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But now, God is being more specific as Abraham is trusting in God and, and stepping more into the things that God has called him to do. Right? You and your offspring will have this land forever. And your offspring, offspring will be like dust of the earth, which is too many to count. Right? So he's, God spoke this over Abraham after how he handled, after, after how he handled the situation with Lot. So as Abraham aligned his heart with God and trusted in God's power, trusted in God's promise, we can see that through how he handled his conflicts with Lot. So God revealed more specific to Abraham, to pulling more and more of his faithfulness out of him and allow him to grow into um, a more mature friend of God, so to, say, so to speak. So Abraham is walking more and more into his destiny. So after uh, reading Genesis 13, you know, some of the points that we can learn from this, what are some of the things we can learn from Abraham? As I mentioned last week, Abraham was the only biblical character in the Old Testament that God had said, my friend, as a friend of God. He was, Abraham was, extremely generous in his dealing with Lot because of his own revelation in God's generosity. God gave generously to Abraham, and we know God also gives generously to us, right? There's nothing that he would hold back from us. So he gave gener generously to Abraham, and he also gave generously to us. His generosity is beyond anything we can ever possibly imagine or comprehend or deserve. We talked about this all the time. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus. So he gave everything, the, thing that, the person that he loved the most. And through Jesus, we have eternal life. And through Jesus, we talked about this last week in John 15, through Jesus, through our faith in Jesus, through our love in Jesus, through having Jesus in our hearts, we are also friends of God. We are also friends of God. So as you can see in the Old Testament, there was only one person who was a friend of God. Now, through Jesus, we all can be friends of God. So using Abraham's example as the original friend of God, that was meant to be a joke, but not really, right? He was the original friend of God. What we can learn from that is we can learn, uh, some of the points that we can learn, especially in Genesis 13, is in, in our dealing with people. Um, uh, Ethan, can you go to the next one? Um, in... Um, so in, in dealing with people or conflicts, let the relational aspect be the first thing to come through. Let that come through because let the matter of the heart be the trump card. Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it said, the three things remain, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So let the relational aspect come through. And let that be first. Let that be the most important thing. It's the same thing that we do in our everyday life, right? 
when we deal with our spouses, when we deal with our kids, when we deal with our clients, when we deal with our friends, our partners, you know, our work partners, and, and just people within the church. Let that be the first thing that comes through. For example, I've known you for 10 years. Let's find a way to work this out. We have our disagreement. Let's find a way to work this out because we're close friends. Or, hey, we're husband and wife. Why are we fighting over these things? You're wrong. I'm right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just let the relational aspect come through first in how we deal with our, our conflicts and uh, our relationship with each other. You know, as friends of God, through Jesus, because we're now friends of God, using, looking at Abraham's example, let's live generously for God. I don't mean give generously, but just to live generously for God. Generous, generous means more than usual, right? More than, the necess- more than necessary. Showing a readiness to give more, a willingness to do more. That's what generous means. So live generously for God. So I said earlier that God gives so generously that he would not even spare his only begotten son. So for us, the way for us to give back is to live generously for him because there's nothing that we can give to him. There's nothing that we can give back to him, right? But what we can do is to live generously. And how do we live generously for God? And this was, uh, I was trying to come up with an illustration to help us, um, help me to understand this is, that means just be generous in committing our time and our talents and our resources according to his promise. For example, Abraham was all in, right? We talked about Genesis 12. He was all in. When God said, go, he took everything and he left. He didn't just leave half of his possession behind. He said, well, this is my backup plan. Let me leave half here so just in case if I go and I lose something, I can always have something to come back to. Go all in. Commit everything to it. As Abraham was all in, let's be all in. Into the things that God has called us to be or to do. Also, an example would be, let's say, if, you, if we feel... I don't really have any musical instrument, but I've always loved worship. So if you feel like God's calling you to be a worshiper, learn an instrument. Learn it well. Learn it from someone who's skilled at worship. And practice it. Be on the team. Use it. Grow into it. And the way for us to be generous is as when we do worship, when we lead worship, other people will benefit and enjoy from it. And that's a way to live generously and walk in committing more than the usual. The willingness to do more, to step further into the things that God has called us to do. Did that make sense? So dedicate our time and our energy and resource into learning and pushing forward and taking ground into the things that God has called us to do. You know, I think sometimes when people talk about generously, meaning just give everything to everyone, for me, just for me personally, I think that means not stewarding your gifting well because God doesn't call us to give everything to everyone all the time. We just need to know what God's calling us to do and step into it and go all in. And, uh, and the last thing is about Abraham had an eternal perspective. That's why he was very open-handed when it came to dealing with Lot. Right? He was open-handed in his dealing with Lot because he, he had an eternal perspective. He didn't have to hang on to his, his possession or this piece of land. He said, God is blessing me. For the next 50 years, 200 years, it's really nothing. From the perspective of eternity. So he, he, he wasn't uh, fearful or he was 
didn't have anxiety about um, what am I going to do if he picked this nice choice piece of land? I'm going to have to go. We're going to have to be in a famine again. No. He had an eternal perspective. So the decision that he made, he was able to make that, those decisions with an open hand. He, he, didn't, he was not worried about the impact of Lot's decision affecting God's promise over him. Right? When we have an eternal perspective, other people can make whatever decision that they make, but, but the things that God has spoken over us, those people will not impact what God has planned for us. Period. There's not even a maybe. What they do or the decision that they make will not impact the things that God has spoken over us. And that's what Abraham knew. He realized that. We're close relatives. Go ahead. You choose whatever you want to choose. You choose. Go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go up, I'll go down. You go down, I'll go up. That was pretty much what happened because he knew that God has spoken over him and God has, is the provider for him. And the important thing at the end of the chapter is after that situation, God spoke even more promises over him, even more specific in terms of what will happen because you are being obedient and you trust me. I'm revealing more of my plans for you, more of the destiny that I have for you. So, um, so that's from uh, Genesis 13. And I hope and I trust and I, I want to ask you guys to go, just go back, actually encourage you guys to go back and read Genesis 13 again. It's an amazing chapter in terms of how Abraham handled Lot. And um, I'm being honest here, maybe too honest. Like, I don't know if I would handle the situation like Abraham did. Because I think I probably would have said, hey, you go back to Haran. Take your little things and go back. I'll just give you maybe five sheep and two cattle, and you can go back. But because Abraham has this revelation of the mighty God, he was able to relax and trust in where God was taking him. So let's trust in our mighty God, like Abraham did, right? By giving our lives generously to God, not to people, but to God, to the things that God has called us to, to the things that God has called us into. Amen. Amen. That's what I have for Genesis 13. Um, we, next week, we're going to take a break. As I said, James and Jesse will be ministering at Restoration. And we will go back into Genesis, Genesis uh, 14 uh, after that. Gavin will be sharing from Genesis chapter 14. So um, read along with us, and uh, we're very excited. We're going to go through the life of Abraham, and it's so much in here for us to learn and see and, and, and hopefully live because we see the example of Abraham. And we can pick out the things that he has done so we can become better friends of God. Amen. So uh, let me pray, and then we can uh, we'll end the meeting this morning. Father, we just want to thank you for who you are, God. We just thank you that you are always here. You always come through when we gather to worship you. You always come through when we gather to hear from you, to be with you. But we all, you're always uh, present when your people gather to lift you up and to honor you, and we want to thank you for that, Lord. We just pray that from today that your, your, your grace and your power and your might and your love will be known more and more by us. That our revelation of you, of who you are, will grow. Will grow to the point where, just like Abraham, he trusted in you. He didn't allow other people to sway him or cause him to, to think differently or to affect his decision 
I just want to pray for that over-restoration for us to be able to live like that, live like Abraham, as a father of the faithful, for us to have faith like Abraham. And I just pray for that in the name of Jesus, God. Amen.